right this time. Yeah, we have a our frequent guest Ori Zohar from Burlap and Barrel on. Um, all I have to do when Ori regularly appears is say what's new, and and I have probably five programs worth of of news. <laughs> There's always something new going on at Burlap and Barrel, and it's all about to explode because um, they've been selected um, to pitch. Um, I guess that's the term for it, on Shark Tank. Um, yeah. Right? I'm excited yeah. to be here. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm dying to find out what it's like. I mean, I, I've talked to people who know people who have been on Shark Tank, and, and it's, it, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely scary, but, but we really, it's a long process. I think that's what most people don't realize. Is that yeah, we tell, decided, tell our listeners about that, yeah. Well, we, wanted, we just talked to a handful of other entrepreneurs that we saw on Shark Tank, food entrepreneurs, and we'd see the episode, and we'd reach out to them and ask them the exact same stuff that you were asking me of like kind of what was it like and what, it, and what we learned from most of them is that whether they get an investment or don't get an investment, as long as the sharks say nice things about the product or like some parts of uh-huh. it, even even in some cases when they don't and they berate the entrepreneurs and they make fun of them, you still get to give a two-minute pitch to America. And so usually on Friday night when it airs, four million people tune in and then millions more watch it on Hulu or online on a replay later on. And so all <laughs> entrepreneurs were just like, it's amazing, amazing exposure, whatever happens in the tank, it's amazing exposure, and so you should do it. So we said, okay, fine, who do we know? So we reached out a couple of years ago to, the, to, to one of the producers that one of them had worked with, and they said, sorry, we have too similar of a spice company on the season. So they said, sorry, that's all we got. Call us next season. So the next year we reached out again, and we decided that we'd give them a really wonderful kind of pitch video. So we wrote out this whole thing, and we filmed the whole pitch video when we were in Guatemala visiting our cardamom farmers. We oh, stood right. in yeah. the cloud forests of Guatemala and filmed this nine-minute video talking about who we are and our business and why this is important to us and all that. And, and eventually they said, okay, yep, we're, we're, you're, you're in for the next round. And every time you get in for another round, they tell you it may not air, it may not air. Just be aware, it may not air. None of this means anything. And so, so we, we got ready and we got some producers that worked with us to kind of hone in this two-minute pitch that you see all entrepreneurs do and to design the stage and what will be on there and what's on the table and what's the story. And there was a lot, a lot of rehearsing and we had to film ourselves in many more videos and get our costumes ready and all that stuff. <laughs> and then we flew out to LA to film on the, on the studio a lot. And, and that's where we were practicing four hours a day because you, if you watch enough Shark Tank, you see all the questions that they ask entrepreneurs. And so we said, okay, let's practice really tight answers to all of that stuff. And then on the day of, we go there, and it's hair and makeup and wardrobe, and we're, <laughs> we're getting moved all around the lot. But we got to the studio a lot at 6 a.m. in the morning or maybe 8 a.m. at the latest, and then we filmed at 4 p.m. So it was a very long day. Oh, yeah. And I think that what most people don't really expect is we filmed in front of the sharks for about an hour. And so yeah. the producers, that's their job then, to cut it down into like an eight-minute clip about our company. And so that's what we're going to also see for the first time on April 7th at 8 p.m. when everybody else sees it too. 
So we're, we're, we're scared, we're nervous, we're excited, but we just knew that it would be a really good thing for the business, whatever happened on, on, in the tank, for us to just be able to share our message and our story about our company because so many new people would find out about us through there and it should create a, a, good, a good amount of awareness for Burlap and Barrel and our mission and what we do. Now, what's, what's Mark Cuban like? You know, you know where he's from, right? Where is he from? He's from Pittsburgh. Oh really? I, he's so associated now with Dallas and all that. He, no, he, he, he owned he owned he owned a small software company, which which, mm-hmm. which he sold which he sold for a good deal of money. Yeah, and that and that gave him the opportunity to do what he wanted. Yeah, such as buying the Dallas Mavericks. Came from, but, <laughs> but but you wonder, you know, people like this get. Get, they get to be famous. Are they really nice or are they really nasty? What was the story? Well, one of the big the, one of the big things in Shark Tank is that the sharks have never met us. They have had no contact with us ahead yes. of the show, yes, um, and so they really come in blind. They really don't know about the companies and, and really what you see in the tank. Granted, it's about an hour that's condensed down, but what you really see on TV is really them learning about our company for the first time as it is with the other entrepreneurs. And then when we finished, we get shuttled out. And so like, that's it. There's no time to hang out. There's no time to get to know them. There's no nothing. We're standing in front of the chairs and then, and then we get in and then we get out. <laughs> at, least, at, least, at least it's not, at least it's not the show that uh, Trump was on. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, we knew a few days earlier that we would have a guest shark because you, you don't know who the sharks are going to be for your episode until right. a little bit before. And so we, have, we filmed with one of the guest sharks, who is Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> so oh, there you go. Oh, right. That was a whole she's interesting other <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, she, she's having a lot of troubles because of her ski accident, you've yeah, that's that. that's how she's making the news now. But oh, what yeah. I think also I mean, people don't know is that whatever happens on the air, if if you do get an, a deal that you accept on the air, then then after the show you go and you talk to the sharks team. They all have their like business teams, and you go into due diligence where they look at your business's finances, and then you actually make the deal later. And so a lot of the deals that are even happen on the air may not happen in real life because they right. have to go through the second kind of due diligence evaluation step. Yeah, I've heard that before. No, sweetheart, is, isn't, I, isn't, isn't Gwyneth kind of a foodie? She has, yeah. she, she has a second call. She was, she was, she was the one who went to Spain. She went to, on a Spain tour to Spain with, with, with Mario Batali. Mario Batali, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. She has a. She's in general just a big influencer around health and wellness, and she yeah, what's the name of a lot of people and gets well, ridiculed by other is. people. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, I I did a, a, a show with um, the Food Network way back when. I mean, it was when they were starting out, and um, uh, it was it was terrible. I mean, we were. Uh, I had I was at the time a um, restaurant critic and I had to be anonymous because that was the time and the kind of time it was, and so I wore dark glasses and a big hat, you know, oh. <laughs> and so forth and so on. Uh, but then they came and filmed with the camera right practically in your mouth. <laughs> oh my God, 
Yeah, I think you, you don't know much about what happens behind the scenes and all the kind of magic of show business. But really, uh-huh. that was our goal when we were in front of the Sharks, is to have short, smart, well-thought-out answers. We rehearsed for so long to make sure that we could kind of tell our story in as concentrated a way. And all the entrepreneurs that go on Shark Tank know that this is their chance to share their story. So you practice and practice. And we had to memorize the two-minute pitch that all the companies give at the beginning. You have to memorize that word for word. And so that is approved by legal. It's it's reviewed. It's everything approved. And (laughs) and then the Q&A is completely unscripted. So, so it's this funny thing where yeah. we get to give our presentation in a very structured way, and then we go into this rapid-fire Q&A in a very unstructured way. Well, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but I, mean, I hate to tell anybody this, but basically, um, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of TV, and um, basically the person who most influences um, whatever comes out on the TV, the actual program, is the uh, the person who edits, <laughs> yeah, the film editor, you know, whatever you call it. And uh, we know that there's heroes and there's villains and there's overconfident. There's all these characters that they seem to kind of edit their stories down into. Like, are you the overconfident entrepreneur that they want to chop down? Are you the aspiring, <laughs> you know, impressive? So know. we we really tried to make sure that we were also telling our story in a way that helped support and influence our time in front of the sharks, so that they would be able to tell a good story and that we could represent ourselves well. So just for so example, when, what, yeah, what do you well, think? Go ahead. How 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 did you position who you were? Well, we we watched we've watched my mother's watched a lot of Shark Tank, but and as a result, I have too. <laughs> um, but what we saw is that they often give entrepreneurs a hard time for being too spread out and too distracted. So mm-hmm. we decided to talk to them about our e-commerce business, and we also have some business. We we also sell to grocery stores, and we also sell to restaurants, and we also sell to some food manufacturers. But our main core business is our online e-commerce business, people buying straight from our site. So we focused the entire conversation around it. We didn't even mention the other sides of it because we were worried that they would call us too distracted and, and, not, and tell us that we you know, weren't, weren't focused enough on our business. I guess there's no way of telling whether that was a good strategy or not, huh? Yeah, you'll, we'll have to find out when we watch it live with the rest of you. <laughs> I, I, I was reading the label on... On one of on one of your products, which I which I intend to use this evening, by the way, we're going we're going to we're going to have a nice piece of Atlantic cod, and we're and we're going to use one of your tricky spices on it. But I, yeah, which I one is that? I'm 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 still torn between herbe de Provence, and uh, I have a I have a French mixture that came came of from a different supplier. Oh dear, my goodness. Why would you bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd never make it on Shark Tank Rabbit. <laughs> we actually, something that, that, would, that we did share with the sharks was our ground black lime from Guatemala. Because oh, I love eat, that. You know, that's my well, favorite It can thing. feel a little intimidating and new if you've never used it before, but once you start using it, you realize that it's kind of good anywhere where you, you use lemon juice or lime juice or just anywhere where you need a little bit of an acidic finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we showed that tonight because we figured that that would be new to them, but also interesting. Um, oh, yeah. What's that, Ori? The ground black lime from Guatemala. Yeah, I love that. I, 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 love, one, I use a lot of that. 
actually. Oh, that, that, How do you that, use that, it? Why don't you tell them? I'm, I'm just about everything. I mean, I, <laughs> I see, I've been one of those people that believers, you, believes you, you need a little acid with anything, a little citrus with everything. Oh, I, you I, know. Use, I, I use black lime on salmon. Yeah. yeah salmon is, it's great on fish. Yeah, it's great with seafood in general. And, you know, and the fact that you can buy it, I mean, I mean, I, I tried making it. I told you that I had this black lime on the counter from some yeah. French chef told me about it. And, and I was just about ready, and, and my cleaning service threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes. It does. It was a chef at a Michelin two-star restaurant in, in Cheltenham in England. Called La Champignon. Right, I can't Bar. remember who it was. That's where, yeah. that's where, that's where we got it from. <laughs> but it, did, it didn't last, unfortunately. Yeah. I can tell well, you so another decision that we made, and you can tell yeah. me if you think it was a good idea or a bad idea, but the producers were really pushing us to make food with the spices and have the sharks try the, the spices that way. Mm. So, oh, dear. Like, they wanted us to like, toss popcorn in like the black lime or put the cinnamon on apple slices and we decided not to because we what? thought that it would be just more interesting to watch the sharks taste the spices themselves and have them taste it and be delighted and, and sneeze or cough or, you know, to like really yeah. fully interact with it. But we're, we're going to have to see how it goes on TV to see, uh, yeah, how, how they feel like it. What do you think we should have done? It, it seems, seems to me like you were very sensible because it, you're avoiding one of the risks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think that's 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 really important. You want to you want to reduce the number of factors that might negative might negatively impact you. And if if you got these sharks, they don't necessarily know food. Right. And also, when we've made when we've sampled spices on popcorn apples, people ask us to make popcorn. You know, oh, it yeah. ends up sometimes accidentally distracting the person instead of getting into focus on the spice itself. So we took a little bit of a risk there. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, well, what's, what's new, Pussycat, as they say? Yeah, yeah. We, we'll find out. I'm, I'm anxious. Make sure you let me know what the fallout is from the show. But yeah, meanwhile, we have the whole list of stuff. I, I said at the beginning, if you say what's new, and we have you know a month of programs available. But <laughs> you, you, your Spice Club is it's developing and rounding out. Um, to be really the go-to way of approaching spices, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we try to, the Spice Club, for those who, who don't know, is, is a seasonal seasonings subscription. So we, we, this is almost like modeled after a wine club, where once a quarter, every three months, you get a package of, of what we have. And so we always have four full-size jars of spices. They're always new or new harvests. And then we have one collaboration product. So, for example, in, in the last one, we, we had sent out the last one. It goes out in February and May and August and November. And in February, we had a new harvest of our sun-dried tomato powder, and we introduced a new blend of dill and parsley from, from organic farmers in Egypt. And we made uh, – we worked How with – How did that come group. out, by the way, the, the parsley? I'll tell the you. The one thing I've always been disappointed in is um, – a jar of dried parsley. I mean, I, I don't get it compared to fresh parsley. There's certain yeah, things in that general, just don't work. You're right. I mean, herbs have way more are way more sensitive to losing their essential oils and the kind of which is what gives spices their flavors. 
And so herbs often, when they're not dried carefully or they're very old or good and bad lots are mixed together. And so very often fresh herbs are, are the go-to. But with, we, we tried to find herbs that still kept their, their strength and their flavor and their intensity. But herbs have definitely been harder to source. But we were working with the Bon Appetit, the ex-Bon Appetit test kitchen member, Sola L. Wiley, and her husband, who's also a chef, Pam L. Wiley, on a lineup of spice blends together. And the first one was uh-huh. Pizza Party, when she wanted everything to taste like, like all the best pizza toppings. And then wow, the second incredible. one we called Nothing Hidden Ranch, which was the idea of a kind of oh, dry yeah, I, I ranch didn't, See, I, that's something that I didn't quite understand. I, I don't understand what ranch is such a big flavor. I mean, why do people, are they crazy about this? <laughs> I think it's because it's creamy and zingy and herby. And so I think people just like it as a kind of strong flavor to kind of put on top of pizza or put in like on top of your dips or things like that. She was really excited about making a dried version of the classic ranch dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that. And so we, we brought in some buttermilk powder that, that from, from some uh, uh, dairy farmers and we brought in some herbs from Egypt. And so, but one of the things that we had a lot more of was dill and parsley from Egypt and we loved them. And we had had a lot of requests, a little bit for dill, a little bit for parsley, but actually they make a pretty classic combination, especially for seafood. Um, it ends up being a really nice combination uh, of this kind of like herbal, herbal kind of like crust or, or, or kind of, I don't know, even in popcorn with uh, the ranch dressing or just those herbs are excellent in popcorn and all that, but it ends up being really nice and light and flavorful. Um, and you so see, we, I should we, trust you because I doubted you on the shallots, and in fact, they're <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> oh, the shallots. But I never, I ever have had a, a dried parsley that I liked, you know. Yeah, I, I, used, I used the ranch a few times. I, I thought it was quite good. Uh-huh. It, it, we're talking now about dried parsley. Well, yeah, I, thought the, you were talking, I thought you were talking about dried ranch. So the, so the dried ranch has a lot of parsley and dill in it as the kind of herbal component as well as sure. thyme and a few other mm-hmm. spices. So so the ranch is just a bit of a creamier thing, but try like tossing uh, uh, French fries in it or or just using it as a as a kind of dry rub the ranch for for some for chicken. You'll it's it's really fun. Where are you going with these heirloom sugars, which seems not quite in the same category as your other things yeah we were thinking about like what else can we source that there isn't a good clean supply chain on that people use in their day-to-day cooking and flavoring and so we saw that sugars are plants in and of themselves and so we brought in a maple sugar from vermont which we need to bring back because it sold out very quickly and we brought in a jaggery uh, sorry a panela from from colombia and, and so we're actually, we just got a shipment of jaggery in from India that's also really wonderful. But the, the, what we're trying to do with it is to, is to say, why aren't there kind of traceable, single origin, kind of farmer-driven sugars? And, and so we, we started looking at that supply chain and reaching out to farmers. And we saw that just like with spices, there are some really incredible farmers that are producing it really carefully all the farmers that we work with also process the sugar, which is a whole other intensive step to turn this like raw sugarcane juice or this maple sap into maple sugar and into the sugarcane sugar. And so we, we worked closely with them 
to make sure there was like traceability and kind of stewardship, but also these are really flavorful versions of it. And the other thing in sugar is that all the sugar that you get is so highly processed and like brown sugar is white sugar that has had the molasses removed and added back in. Mm. And so these are kind of complete sugars in that they, they come from the whole plant juices um, and then and they get processed. So they're kind of richer in flavor. They're richer in middle, mineral and vitamin content. And so they're still sugar, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're kind of closer to, to the, natural, you know, the natural origin of it than, than what you'll find on the shelf of your grocery store. And what, what are the geographical locations you're getting your raw material from? So the, the maple comes from like a one-woman farm in Vermont. And so we met her, Molly. She's been growing and tapping maple trees for a long time and processing them into a really dark, rich, uh, maple sugar, um, and she has a whole little like workshop, you know, with all these machines to kind of get it to granulate at just the right size. Um, the the panela comes from a kind of community of farmers in Colombia, um, and that we met through one of our friends in Baltimore, who has who has been importing different types of sugars and all that. So actually, Ethan, my co-founder, flew with him to Colombia to spend time with the farmers and understand the different grades and types of sugar and the different kinds of cane and really dig into that whole process. And so that was a really interesting, interesting kind of way to go and learn about it. And we're just trying to find different yeah. types of sugar from different farmers from around the world. And every culture has a different kind of flavor profile and, and processing method. And so we, we thought that was really interesting and that that was, had more in common with the way that cumin or paprika or vanilla are grown then it didn't, so, so that's what we wanted to kind of figure out as our next big kind of spice supply chain project. We, we just talked to somebody who, who is, the, the, what, what, what they're up to is they're essentially ex exploiting wild bee, wild, wild oh, yeah, honey. From, from Africa, African from, yeah. from, from Tanzania, I think mostly. Yeah, I think yeah. there's also so many problems with the honey supply chain and that so much of it is tainted or adulterated or mixed yeah. with sugar water or all that stuff. So that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity for us and for companies like us to yeah, be able right. to just trace, work with farmers and build transparent supply chains because not only is it better for the farmers, but it's also better for the consumers because you get a way better version of that product than you would otherwise get. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're taking um, a culture that already existed in these African countries, which is beekeeping. Yeah. And, and it's beekeeping very different from what we have known because it's wild in the forest of all places. You yeah. know, so, so they were able to um, work with, with um, the communities on that level was something that they've been doing, the community's been doing for years and years and years and bringing it to market, which had never been done before. So it's, it's very interesting. Do you ever feel like you're going to run out of new spices? <laughs> I, it's been really interesting for us to keep learning. And so like we just last year started with the origin blend. So instead of just single spices, yeah. And the farmers also grow and blend it at origin based on their own recipes. And so that's part of the idea that most spices are blended in the U.S. based off of some, you know, 
store owner's recipe or what they think is, is like a traditional recipe. And so we thought that it would be interesting to, to do it at origin. And we can also pay the farmers for grinding and blending and all of that um, rather than doing it in the U.S. And so I'll tell you some stuff that we're looking into now is we recently went on a trip to Mexico. And because we want to also see if we can bring in some of the heirloom whole dried Mexican chilies, um, like pasilla, like chipotle, um, and, and a handful of chilies that we're trying to think about because we've never done whole chilies and we've never imported anything ourselves from Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. But that also opens the door. Like, what about mushrooms? And what about, I don't know, I just feel like there is, there's always more Something. interesting stuff that we can do. So well, that, that's it what seems like you know, the, <laughs> it's the sky's the limit where you're concerned. I mean, there are all these other possibilities. Um, yeah, when, you know, somebody who's done a big market on, on um, the dried whole chilies is Hatch. You know that? Yeah. The hatch chilies, they're really... Um, in fact, I think they're, they're kind of big. I don't know. You, know, you don't really want to use more than a part of one. Yeah, and that's the same thing with uh, with uh, Mexican chilies too. Is that like you need to you only need one, or even in some cases half of a chili to kind of or two different whole chilies, and so. But it, but what it takes, and I think this is why a lot of companies just stay in their lane and do a thing that they know how to do and do what it's always been done. But like even for the sugars, we realized that our jars weren't a good packaging for the sugars, so we had to come up with a new packaging. So we. We have these canisters, these paperboard canisters. And for the chilies, the same thing. They don't fit in our existing jars. So now we're, doing, we're looking into all kinds of different ways to package and deliver the chilies so that they're intact and that they ship well and all that stuff. So like every time we do something like this, it also keeps us sharp to make sure yeah. that we're not resting on our laurels and that we're asking ourselves questions and continuing to explore and do new things as a company, which is really fun and really interesting. Yeah, well, the, I mean, these hatch chilies, whole hatch chilies that I have, um, they don't, they would never fit in any kind of a, a, I don't want to say permanent container, but I mean, something besides a plastic bag that they come in, you know what I mean? Yeah, and so that's what we're looking into, like, we're looking at pouches, and we're looking into recyclable pouches and compostable pouches. Exactly. And and what is the right size? Yeah. (laughs) Well... You keep busy, I must say. Um, what what other big words I'm going to ask you about is, um, yeah, the the um, people are spending a lot of time on salts now. Remember, you've avoided salt for a long time. Have you noticed the market changing in in, in salts? Yeah, you said it was a mineral, not really a spice, but um, well, there there are yeah, all kinds no, you're of exactly products. Right. Where they're they're actually sorry, go ahead. No, they were actually putting um, nutrients into um, salt, which is really a peculiar concept, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think there's always we've been seeing a lot of people like adding mushrooms into things and adding prebiotics and like all this other stuff. I, we're really trying to also look at things that are a little bit more timeless than, than trendy of like a new hot ingredient. Now you can get it. Uh, we do have some salts and we've been trying to find to get a good lineup of salts. We've seen a lot of people getting really excited about like infused salts, which is not something that we do or know how to do or anything like that. 
But like, you know, people will do like a garlic salt or a turmeric salt oh, yeah, or, a, yeah. you know, things like that. But we do want to do more with salts. We just, we just want, if people are trying to find a clean, traceable, single right. origin version of something, then it, it, salt also qualifies. And so we do work with a father-daughter team in Syracuse that they run a company called Syracuse Salt Company. And so we work with them for a specific kind of size and type of salt. And they also made a lime and chili salt that has become really popular uh, on our site too. We bring in this like kind of sulfuric black mineral salt from India. Like we're we're still trying to to find out how to become a kind of destination for for interesting and well-sourced salt. And so that's that's still work to be done. You know, I have a confession that uh, okay. I, mean, I haven't okay. bought any in, in years, but there was a time in my life where I didn't think I could live without lemon salt. <laughs> yeah. It was probably the only thing you could buy, right? Yeah, well, now you can make, you can get some of our salt, you can add some black lime and some black pepper, and you'll have a really cool kind of lime salt. That sounds great. So I can make my own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that you can now make your own and now you also can have traceable components and high quality stuff. And I think that's one of the big things is that so many of the spice blends lean so heavily on salt. And I personally want more spice than salt. And so, you know, like you can also just tailor it to your liking. You like a lot of salt, no problem. You want mostly spices. That's okay too if you're trying to cut back on salt. But I think that's the nice thing is you can make these blends, you can put them in a jar, and then you can just have your own kind of homegrown blend that is your mm-hmm. signature thing. Well, you, you always inspire me. I was, you can move your business into all kinds of things. I mean, I wish I could find somebody who produces really good quality preserved lemons that didn't sound like they were bought in the supermarket. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay, I'll send you some recommendations after this, okay? <laughs> okay, because I've, and I've for years made my own, and then I couldn't, um, I, I had some issues with the, the uh, jars and things. And when, when you're dealing with all that salt, you know. Yeah, yeah, leave it so. to the pros. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Although it was part of my ritual to turn the, ball, the jar every day. Oh, <laughs> part yeah. of my lifestyle. So, well, you have so much going on. I'm so glad that you actually continue visiting with us and telling us about all these things. And um, yeah, and and I can hardly wait to to watch your program. Depending on, I guess, the time is a little iffy here because I don't know when we run this and when we where. You know, I have it on my calendar. But anyhow, I love talking yeah. to you about it. Ori and um, yeah, and hello to Ethan. And uh, anything else coming down the tubes that we should know about? No, we're just we're really excited about the Shark Tank, and we've been really like preparing for kind of a bomb to drop, and make sure that we're ready to talk to everybody oh, yeah. and all that stuff, and answer all their questions. And so we're getting ready for that. Um, and Are you I'll, staffing we'll up or not? Are you staffing Are we, up? We're, we're, we're just getting our whole team ready, and it's going to air on April 7th, and, and April 9th is Easter. So, so obviously, people have holidays and all that stuff, so we're going to try to be as attentive as we can. But just our whole team, from customer support to sales to, to operations, and even me and Ethan are all going to be sitting in front of our computers on Friday 
night and Saturday <laughs> to try to catch people on chat and, and answer all the questions. So it's an all-hands-on-deck situation. Oh, wow. Well, keep going, and I look forward always to keeping up with you. Your, your emails, your newsletters, stuff is wonderful. I learned so much from that. Um, listeners, again, we're talking to Ori Zohar. The company is the fabulous Burlap and Barrel, um, and uh, it, it, it keeps growing, and everything that it, it touches um, becomes something even more than what you'd expect from the spice company. So just a heads up, it's, it could be in everything now, um, including, sure. uh, including maybe I got you to make preserved lemons for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give us a couple of years. But in the meantime, there's some companies <laughs> that I like that I'll send you. Okay, but thank you for having us. Thank um, you, thank Ari. you for chatting with me, and I, love and I really it. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.